Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 68 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have got with us today, Dane Shuda. Dane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. I'm excited to talk to you. So guys, Dane's got a cool business. They do ghost blogging for people and they've got 60 freelance writers all across the world. Um, Dane himself is based out of Wisconsin, born and raised. And he kind of realized at a young age that business was something he was really interested in. Went the traditional route, college, job, and all that stuff. But when he stumbled into blogging and freelancing and then the agency world, he went all in since 2012. This is what he's been doing full time. And now they are quite quite the growth. So Dane, excited to learn more about this. Yeah, I'm excited to share the story. It's, uh, it's kind of unique, I guess, just in the way it came about. But uh, yeah, excited to be on. Amazing. So I do want to hear about that journey. Before I do, I'd love for you to just give us a couple tidbits. Like, what are the key benefits from ghost blogging? Like, just dive us like straight in first so that people know a little bit more like, what is this thing? What does it do? And then let's hear a little more how you got there. Sure. So um, I guess blogging has probably been around, I, I kind of, I'm sure it's been around a long time, but I, it kind of around the middle, early 2000s is kind of when it seemed to start gaining traction and business started doing it to um, ideally kind of answer the questions that people are searching for online and um, a lot of the companies that I have now run into understand that a blog can help help them help their target audience earn kind of attention for their brand Um, but a lot of people I've found don't like writing or they start a blog and struggle to keep up with it it's it's usually more work than than uh, marketers assume it is Um, kind of like maybe writing a novel, a lot of people have the dream to do it, but it's a lot of work. And so that's kind of just the need that we have filled is um, there's uh, a lot of people that do enjoy blogging and are curious to learn about a lot of different industries and will work with a small business owner or a small business manager or team and kind of learn as much as they can and then provide kind of ongoing blogging. So, So that's kind of the need that we fill. I love that. And guys, just for anyone who doesn't know, blog is just short for weblog, right? That's really all yep. it is. Yep. It's an online diary. And, and yep. a lot of the original blogs were exactly that. They were online diaries. And then like most things, companies and marketing takes it over yep. um, and turns it into something um, business-wise. So do you guys also do the SEO of it or do you just do you know, content in terms of answering questions or do you also do things in order to get you know, SEO again, search engine optimization for the uninitiated um, to get what we call organic traffic to the sites. Yep. That, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the main or the main goal that we always focus on. We kind of approach it um, in terms of SEO. We, so we do look at kind of Google's strategy and just try to align with it. So Google says, that they're trying to give people the best answers to the questions they're searching for. So that's kind of where we approach it from. So we, when we look for questions people are asking, we do look at keywords 
and keyword research, but um, we also look at other question sources, whether it's uh, forums or social media or other blog comment sections. And we kind of approach from that. We do optimize the, like, the posts and usually it's WordPress, so the title, the heading and, and that type of thing. Uh, including external that. internal links. So, so yeah, all that's kind of included, but we don't try to, the SEO world has been tricky in the past where you don't want to kind of chase something where you feel like you're uh, doing something specifically for Google. We, we try to focus on keeping it simple, writing a post that's useful, and, and that's kind of served us well over the last 10, 10 years or so. I love that. Uh, and again, I like to translate because not everyone knows all the technology. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, you know, they're just going to go write a blog, right? And a lot of people even say, I've had people actually come to me and say, you know, I don't want to work so hard. I think I'll just, you know, a couple hours a week, I'll sell some stuff on Amazon or become a blogger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think, I think there's kind of this impression out there, like there's an easy job. A couple hours mm -hmm. a week, I'll just throw some stuff up on Amazon. I'll just write some stuff on a, <laughs> on a blog on my site and like, poof, bunch of money. <laughs> um, and, it, and it is a lot more complex than that. Helen Dane has an entire company, <laughs> 10 years dedicated to it. And, and I, I, we will go back more into this, but just some of these moving parts, right? Understanding what we call keyword strategy, right? Mm -hmm. What we use is to track the best information sources. Um, understanding the SEO, the technicalities of how titles and headings should be worded, and then a content strategy. What actually is the stuff that should be going in here? It's not just the stuff that's in your head that you want to spit out. Yep. <laughs> we work backwards. I love that. So we're definitely going to get more into that soon. So tell me a little bit more like, you know, you started the standard route. What kind of a job did you have that then you found blogging and, and how did you then make that jump? Yeah. So um, I went to college for, it was business management. So but I was actually in like a small entrepreneur focused program uh, my senior year of college and graduated, didn't really know what to do as far as my own business, kind of stumbled into a job in the catalog world where I was kind of in charge of sending catalogs. It was a women's footwear catalog company and they had kind of eight different brands and I learned about catalog circulation and uh, at that time it was 2007 2008 so they had websites um, they were looking to kind of improve the online marketing and they had been doing a lot of stuff already and I so I was kind of learning the traditional marketing world and kind of the new digital online marketing world and and got into learning about social media marketing uh, a little bit of pay-per-click uh, social media was starting and, and SEO and from there got into blogging and started just kind of doing it as a hobby. Um, then I was asked by a small business owner that I kind of knew through my network, like a connection of a connection. And they asked if I wanted to write a weekly blog for their website. I started doing that on the side and then I got, I found a couple more, I think through Twitter and it, it just kind of grew from there, but was not anything planned. And, and I, I loved my job in the catalog world. It, it, uh, it was, it kind of fits all the things I was interested in. And, uh, but after a few years, I, I, I thought I saw enough potential with the blogging to kind of give it a full go while I was still in my twenties and didn't really have much to lose. So. I love that. So I'm going to be like, 
not harsh, but possibly for a minute, a sure. lot of people invest a ton of energy into marketing activities that are useless and that don't generate mm -hmm. anything. And blogging is one of the worst culprits mm -hmm. <laughs> because it, it takes a tremendous amount of time, energy and investment to go into it. And it very often doesn't produce many, if any, results and I, you know i'm on this quest with my like truthful marketing and my course like you never yep. was again to kind of teach everyone that so i'm, I'm going to pick on you for a second because i believe you defend it and, and show where it can and where it can't work how how did you even in the early days you know make that not wasteful for the clients like it sounds like you didn't know very much about it so they're like and, and this is such a typical small business owner thing hey mm -hmm. guy that i see around know from down the block met one time or know for many years you uh -huh. look like a writer. You did some blogging. Can you write a blog for my business? Guy says, sure, no problem. Business owner pays a bunch of money, zero results. Like that obviously wasn't your journey because you wouldn't be here if it was. What did you do different? What is the difference? What do people need to know? So, uh, so it was, it was 2009, late 2008, I started blogging. I wrote one post every day for a year, uh, maybe a little over a year before I started writing where someone was paying me before I even thought about it. So I learned a lot about what people were searching for, what people were clicking on. At that time, Twitter was pretty new and there was, there was a lot of engagement and kind of in the blogging world. So you could kind of see the type of posts people were interested in. And then when that business owner reached out to me, so I had about a year of experience of blogging every day and when that business owner came to me, I kind of understood it wasn't like you said earlier, it wasn't about blogging about yourself or just random thoughts. It was trying to find what people in terms of that small business, what people were searching for. And that's, so that was a big focus. So then was able to have some success with that, with that business owner. And then a second one came on board and they had an audience that was pretty established as far as an email newsletter. And so we, so they weren't too focused early on about the SEO side of it. Cause that takes some time, but we would send the blog posts to their subscribers and uh, would be able to see what they were interested in and uh, which posted better. And so it, it kind of grew slowly. Um, it had definitely ran into a lot of business owners that expected the SEO thing to turn on within a month, three months, six months. And over the years, I've gotten better at saying just upfront, you right on our website, that's not the case. If you're looking for that, there's other places to spend your money. This is kind of a long, this is definitely a long-term strategy. If you're willing to kind of commit for two, three plus years, at least. Um, so so, yeah, so is that really what it is? Like, will they see any results? So then again, immediate for sure, no. But I would like to think that three months, if they don't see anything in three months, then how is it even worth it? It depends on the business. If it's a brand new company, small business especially, Google just, it's going to take a while for Google to trust that this brand new brand that they don't know anything about that a lot of people don't know about. They're not going to rank blog posts, um, especially today. It was a little different 10 years ago, but especially today, it just takes a while. If an established brand comes to us and they've had a website for several years, they have followers on the social media channels, 
the blog post can start in three to, about three to six months generating some long term or long tail keyword traffic and they can share it on their social channels get traffic that they're looking for so it does depend brand new businesses take a while the more established companies can can definitely see some benefit okay i like that and again we have a lot of tech terms here so i'll keep translating because not everyone in the audience is as digital marketing savvy so guys you know long tail and short tail keywords a short tail keyword yeah, so Dan, give us some examples just so people start to understand. Like, yep. And again, so many of this is such a black box, and this is why so many people fail and waste their money and their time yep. trying to do it themselves. They have no idea what they're even missing. Yep, so say you, uh, say you sell baseballs. The term baseball would be a general keyword. Um, the, a term like what are the laces in a baseball made out of is, is long tail, where not as many people are searching for it, but... It's a question that people are asking. Um, maybe not a lot of people, but you can still write a blog post that answers that question, helps a few people if you do that several times and maybe find a few keywords that are long tail, but a lot of people still are asking that question. You can help a lot of people. It raises the profile of your brand and you, you typically over time start to rank for those more general that awesome. are and, more, and again, more let's popular. talk about rank right so organic search which everyone's like oh organic you yep. know most people pay for organic stuff today because you're either paying google um for yep. paid or you're paying someone like dane and his company or somebody else yep. to do the work because it's not just the writing it's the research and what to write about and how to write it so can you give us an example um let's say someone wanted to rank in baseball. And again, guys, mm-hmm. like from a marketing perspective, you better be selling something related to baseball yep. to do this yep. or you're wasting all your time and energy. Yep. Um, unless you're some baseball nonprofit, in which case someone's paying you to do this from a different end. But so they want to rank for what it laces in a baseball and maybe it's that, you know, they're targeting different um, baseball manufacturers, suppliers, um, companies, they're selling the balls, they're selling the materials, they're selling classes, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. again, related, what would the research process be to figure out and then what would be the creation process to reach whatever goal you have sure so let's say let's say it's a company that sells baseballs to like high very specifically they sell baseballs to practice baseballs to high schools with baseball teams Love so it. so they would be searching for or they would be focused on the audience probably the high school baseball coach or maybe their assistant who's in charge of buying the supplies. So those coaches are probably searching for things like tips or drills or coaching tips that they can work with with their players or maybe scheduling tips for practices. So you would kind of set aside the sales terms like buy baseballs or buy baseballs for my team or, or things like that. That's kind of what your homepage and your product pages should rank for your blog posts is more kind of just the not random questions, but the, the, the more like tip based questions and things like that. So we would research baseball forums, baseball blogs, and look for common questions that are coming up. Try to see if we could identify coaches that are using those platforms, leaving comments on blogs, um, see what they're asking. And that's kind of how we generate our titles and then we try to answer as many of those questions as we can. And then uh, we 
pay attention to the traffic to each one of those posts, but then we would also pay attention uh, to the, how the homepage is doing for the terms like buy baseballs for a high school team or, or whatever it might be. So why so does that, that matter? I get the other part. Why does the homepage ranking matter? So you get indirect traffic as a result of a blogging strategy. So if, uh, if Google sees that you have all these helpful posts, they say, okay, this brand is, we see all these signs that people like this brand. They trust this brand. Um, it looks like they sell baseballs. If someone is searching to buy baseballs, we're going to, we're going to rank this company's homepage because they sell baseballs. So you, and then, so you kind of get indirect benefit from a blog. It, it doesn't happen very often where someone will search for a term like, uh, how do I coach a high school baseball team? Click on a blog happen to see that you sell baseballs and then buy baseballs. It doesn't really happen like that. Um, but a blog can benefit your entire website by lift, by increasing your brand awareness and trustworthiness. And then when people are in buying mode and searching for those buying terms, they come to your homepage. That's very cool. I like that. And have you seen that work? Have you seen that you could take a page and give them organic, like one first page ranking? Cause guys, anyone who doesn't already know this, um, if you're not on the first page, you may as well not yes. exist. <laughs> yep. And we do it for our own brand. So, I mean, we've been blogging for several years now, but, uh, our homepage ranks pretty well for terms like blogging services, blog writers, blog writing services. And we don't write a lot of posts like for those terms specifically. We focus on all the other things. Um, but over time, our brand has become trusted um, because of all kinds of different signals. So, so yeah, we've done it for ourselves, and, and we've helped other companies that maybe they ranked on page two or three for an important important sales term after one or two years of blogging, they see that it, it increases. I like that a lot. And I love the clarity that this is really a long-term thing. Um, I think so many people, yeah, everyone's looking for that quick fix, right? And, and there aren't yeah. any, <laughs> any kind of quick fix. I, I like to say it's like a microwave. Yeah. So yeah. microwave will heat up your food fast, but it's yes. going to be cold fast too. Easy <laughs> come, easy go. Better eat it right now. Exactly. So and that, was, that was very true in, in, uh, in the SEO world. And it, it still is on occasion, but uh, there used to be like link building schemes and you could yeah, really crash your, the whole yeah. thing. And then, then everything would crash where if you, if you kind of take the long-term approach, it, it comes a little bit slower, but it doesn't go away unless something I don't even know what would happen, but, uh, but yeah, it's built on solid content. And, yes. and I think that's so important. You know, people talk about content strategy, right? It's all about what do the people want and mm -hmm. something like this, when you're on a digital content strategy, you do have to add the layers of keywords. What are people looking mm -hmm. for? But mm -hmm. I love this under, I had never thought about it like this, that, that it's true that no one's coming to read your blog and then buy your thing. Yeah. If you've got a solid sales strategy and sales page, Google will like you more because people are generally coming to your site, staying longer, clicking on more things, hanging mm -hmm. out. It's like, oh, people like this thing. And it's mm -hmm. all algorithm-based. Like there's no guy or million guys sitting in offices somewhere going, this site, yes, this site, no. It's all algorithm-based. But again, time spent, who's going there, like all mm -hmm. of that matters. And so I like that a lot. Okay, cool. That is very cool. So what about people who blog as a business model. And again, your business model is blogging for businesses. What about people who blog because 
again, for ad traffic, for um, mm -hmm. brand marketers, like how does that differ from the kind of stuff you do? Or do you do that also for people? I, I used to, so I used to have, uh, I would say for, for the ghost blog writer's perspective, we don't really do that for, I would say it's, it's, it's probably less than 5% of our clients kind of have a blog where it's ad based or affiliate based. It's mostly businesses that sell a product. Um, I have, exp I have had my own personal blogs in the past where I would write. So one was kind of, it was a country music website or blog where I would review new songs that came out and I used it kind of just to, for my own hobby to, to have something to write about. And I had Google AdWords and Amazon affiliates and I kind of just did it every day you know, just kind of as a hobby, but it generated a pretty good amount of ad revenue and affiliate revenue until I had a baby. And then I kind of had to narrow my focus a little bit, which was fine. But, uh, but it is different. You need typically Can you talk a little bit about that revenue. Cause I, I like, I like to burst people's bubbles sure. sometimes yeah, for fun. So and I think people go and they're like, Oh, bloggers, bloggers. Like what is the, the real revenue that a person can expect What's the work they're putting in? And we described it already a little mm -hmm. bit. And what's the real revenue they can expect in, in what place to do that blogging as a business itself? So I would say mine at the, the country music blog was not, it would not have been full-time income. But at the peak, which would have been probably 2012, I would write one post a day. Well, I would actually write seven posts in one afternoon in about three hours on Sunday and then schedule them for the full week. So it was about two, three hours of work and I would generate, trying to think of the exact, it was 50,000 views a month. And I think that it was the equivalent of maybe 500 to $1,000 a month at the peak. And I thought that was a lot of traffic for right. just someone putting in two to three hours of work and then um i stopped kind of paying attention to it there were uh changes with how google shows in the music world and this happens sometimes so in the music world around 2010 2011 if you searched for a song title you would see blog posts or um, right now, all you see is YouTube. Like, now it's all and, YouTube, yeah, which yeah. which is what people wanted or what people want. So it, it yeah. wasn't like a it wasn't a big like penalty or anything like that. It was just yeah. more relevant results. And so the traffic went down, and I still make a little bit of money. But I think when when someone has had the dream to start a blog, that would be kind of the model that they might be thinking of. But I was seeing it as 50,000 page views a month is a lot, but it's, it's only generating 500 to $1,000 a month. So I was not getting rich or, or anything like that. Right. And it, you, it sounds like you didn't do any brand marketing, meaning that's just on the ad revenue, right? So yeah, that was just, the structure yep. of it, you put Google display ads, you enable them to show up on your site. Yep. Um, people in the blogging world, the way they, they really start to make money. And this is the same for YouTubers. Like we've had like a couple of YouTubers on the show. Mm -hmm. um, so they say the, the click ads, like the Google ads, right? The pre-roll and even the mid-roll ads, they don't generate that much. It depends where right. they're coming from and all of that. The real money is in the brand um, sponsorships. 
yes. and things like that. But even that, like I happen to know a blogger who's also, she's got like a nice bunch of views and she's like getting sponsorships and it looks so mm -hmm. cool. You know, and on the DL she has me SD, like most of those are just sending me some free products. Like maybe they're paying right. like 50 bucks. <laughs> I mean, it, I wouldn't say you'd get rich. I used to think of it as all, actually when I started the blog, my, my first blog where I would, I would kind of just write about what I was learning at my job and things I was reading about. And I almost looked at it as, you know, I don't want to have any ads on it necessarily, but maybe this could lead to a better job where on a resume, here's something that I'm doing every day that not a lot of other people are going to do. So I'm not going to make ad revenue from it, but maybe it could lead to a new job opportunity where I make whatever better salary or something right. like that. Um, maybe a YouTube celebrity or blog celebrity can, can have brand relationships and, and things like that. But um, there's other ways to, to make money from blogging besides going that route. So what are the other ways that people can make money from blogging? So, so like the one I just said, if you, if right, you, if you're meeting people, um, actually when I got my job out of college, the person I, I had kind of been interested in blogging a little bit. I had kind of been in, interested in websites. So I, I was kind of blogging just a little bit. And the person who hired me said that of the resumes they got, mine stood out because of that kind of extra type of stuff. So if, if you look at the ROI of that, I had five years of salary from just being interested in blogging and having it being different. Um, I've seen people just that I followed their blogs where they've had relationships with manufacturers that have kind of branded products after the blogger, or they've created a brand together and now they can sell products on Amazon. Um, so those would just those would be two two different ways outside of the, the ad model. Totally, yeah, and and again, I think that's where the real money lies in, mm -hmm. in most of this. Very few people are making a living off of ad revenue. Right. Um, right. They're mostly doing it from brand relationships or or sales on the back end, um, things like that. Yep. Totally, love it. So I want to kind of switch gears because I'm I'm very curious about this team you've built. Right. And again, you, you have a degree mm -hmm. in business management, so we'll, we'll be fair that you have some training here. Um, but then you took this, you know, freelance accidental hobby turned business, if you will, and you've turned it into an actual business that you run, that you manage. What was that switch for you? Like, what was that like? And, and how did you do it? How did you go from being the guy who did all the delivery to, mm -hmm. okay, now I've got people, I've got staff and you've got to train them. You've got to give them the methodology. Do you take a brand yep. new name? Do you teach them? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So it started while I was still working full time and that was kind of the main push. I, uh, I just put a page on the website, uh, freelance writers wanted writers wanted and be because I was doing it after work and on the weekends and that's when I started thinking about, I don't want to just do this as a freelancer, which, which is fine. I didn't want to do it. I kind of wanted to build a business. So I started looking for other people that might be interested in doing the writing. And just, I put the page up and I think I reach, I think I put up a few listings on, I don't know if it was LinkedIn, but ProBlogger might've had a job board type listing and and so I got the first person that was interested. 
And she's actually still writes for a few clients of ours, but she started writing for one of our clients and then it just happened slowly, got a second one and that writer's page still ranks pretty well. But I think if you search for writers wanted, it's, it's on the first page. That's um, awesome. I mean, like obviously yeah. you drink your own water, this stuff works. That's awesome. But how do you know if these people are good? Do you test yep. them, teach them? Like, how do you know? So the, the testing begins the moment they fill out the contact form. So it's not a long form. It's not a complicated form. We see how they fill out the form. Is it, is it legible? Does it make sense? Are they skipping questions? So we kind of test them right away for their writing skills and also can they follow instructions by filling out the entire form? And it, it's, it's maybe 10 questions. And so that's kind of the first test. If, if they fail that, if the form looks bad, uh, we respond and say, um, I think it's something like, no, thank you, or uh, thanks for filling out the form. Uh, it doesn't look like you would be a fit for what we're doing. Form looks good. We assign them a, a free trial post. We give them kind of a checklist to, or we give them, we have them write a sample post that we pay for. That's just for us to review. And we give them the guidelines, a title, kind of who the client might be, and some guidelines, a checklist for how we would like to see things, and also a due date. And we give them a due date of, say, June 21st. And we don't necessarily give them a time. We like to see when they turn it in, if it's the day before, the day of at noon, or 11.59 p.m. on the due date, or if there's an excuse, uh, my dog ate it, or something like that. So the testing, there's a few steps, and then we bring them on board if they, if they pass that, which is not a, necessarily a complicated thing to go through, but it's, it's important, important stuff. So we'll bring them on board, and then we'll try to assign them to a client as soon as we can, and with each client, we kind of do a free trial sample and learn about the client as much as we can. Client can see what we offer, and we try to match a writer's interests and experiences uh, with each client, depending on what the client is. And then we see how the writer does, but, but, you, but that process has, has been pretty much the same for the last, it was like 2011, 2012 when I brought on the first writer, and it's been pretty much the same and has, has worked pretty well. Awesome. I like that a lot. And again, I like, I like kind of that hidden, you know, assessment, like when did they send it in? Yep. All of these instructions. I am. Um, so I taught high schools for a while. Um, I made this entrepreneurship course that I'm teaching in high schools. And one of the questions I put on every test, right. Was yep. top of the page. And mm -hmm. I wrote next to it, two points. <laughs> get points for putting your name on this line over here where I wrote it. And inevitably every class, there'd be one or two students who wouldn't do it. They'd either skip the name. They wouldn't put it where I had it. Um, mm -hmm. They only wrote a first name, not a last name. And I wrote first and last name. And I would take off the points and they would like freak out. I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Welcome to life. You don't it follow is. instructions. You're going to end up with consequences. This is really clear. This is really not hard. Right. Mm -hmm. Warning you that it costs points. They were just in shock. But yeah, but that, that's the thing, right? It, if you can't follow it, again, school teaches you how to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. So if you want to run your own business, don't write your name on my test. No problem. Don't care. Yep, exactly. We're, you we're all work for someone. We're all being tested all the time. Totally. I mean, for anything that we do. So 
Totally. I like that. And so are you the coordinator? Like what, what does the business look like for you now? You got 60 freelance writers all over the world. The sites are generating traffic. Are you still doing any writing? Are you just kind of managing? Are you just kind of matchmaking at this point? Like what does your work look like these days? My work. So I still write for our blog, the ghost, write, ghost blog writers blog um, about, I think it's four years ago this summer. I brought on a manager who does what I used to do, which is new client comes on board, new writer comes on board. I just kind of created, or I documented the processes that I would do, and now she does that. And I still help out occasionally with questions. Um, my day-to-day -day is mostly check my email if there's any emergencies or questions, try to answer those. I still like to do the... The, the manager, she does, she sends out invoices and pays the writers. I still like to kind of manage the bookkeeping side of it a little bit. Um, I do a little bit of the sales side of it, kind of, uh, well, I do have a freelancer who kind of helps with a little bit of outbound sales. I still kind of manage, tweak things with the website a little bit. I, I change I kind of think about the overall business and change a process here or there, or maybe I'll dive into the pricing a little bit and see if there's anything that needs to be tweaked there. I still, uh, our manager is in Australia and a lot of times it's difficult for her to jump on a sales call because it's opposite time zone from the U S so I'll still do some sales calls each week. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I'm removed from the business but I've tried to always replace myself in each of the tasks that I've, I've had over the years. I love that. Again, that's, that's the best way to grow and scale, right? Cause when everything lives and dies on you, the business will never be any bigger than the amount of hours you have in a day. Yep. I would say if, if something happened to me today, the business would can, would continue on at, at the way it is currently. So that's really cool. I, Which, think, I think it's something so many small business owners struggle yeah. with. Right? Especially, again, your, your story and your history and how you got into it would make you a perfect profile for the kind of guy that could never be separated from it. You know? And instead, what you've done, like what you said, you know, anything that you do, kind of codifying the process and then delegating it out, that's when you start to own a business instead of having a business that owns you. Yep. And, uh, and I have things that I would like to do. So a lot of the last year and a half has been I've uh, – it's been fortunate. Uh, our, my daughter was born and I've been able to spend time with her during the day, not a full day, but I would say probably more. I, so usually I, I get up and do about an hour's worth of work and then I watch her and my wife goes to work and a babysitter comes at about 10, 11 o'clock and watches her for the rest of the day. So, so I'm able to spend time with her and then I, I have a few priorities that I'm working on um, maybe acquiring a business in the next year to two. So just in your industry or as a separate investment? I would say probably for the first one, probably the same industry or similar, maybe not like another blogging company, but probably digital marketing, right, like digital sure marketing I've, services so that they kind yep. of mesh. Yep. So that's kind of been where I've been doing a lot of research and just figuring out what I need to do there. Um, and then also kind of spending time with my daughter until she doesn't want to spend time with me and she wants to go to daycare. So, um, how old is she? Of, 
she's uh 18 months so she's running around crazy and taking up a lot of energy love that that's so awesome okay cool and again like that's that's the benefit of being able to separate yourself from the business where you then can do other things grow the business in completely different ways like acquisitions and stuff like that i love that so again and and we spoke about this you know before we we hit record sounds like you got a made in the shade right like you started this thing as a hobby it became a business you were a freelancer you've now got you know staff all over the world the thing could totally run without you just six money in your bank account this is like every freelancer's dream what are you currently struggling with yep and that is well it it is not true it's 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 very stressful you know every time a client um doesn't like a blog post i feel i i feel that very heavily i try to figure out where i went wrong um but currently struggling, I would actually say it's an interesting point on the freelancer side. So I would say we're in a pretty good chance or a pretty good position to attract new writers, but the economy has been doing well. Job unemployment is low. We're struggling to, I would say freelance writers can easily find work and that makes it difficult to retain people or, um, give them enough. I, I think we treat people well. I think we, we pay, pay a pretty good amount. It's competitive, but we're struggling to find loyal new writers. We've had writers that have been with us a long time, but if someone comes and tries it out, they might leave right away. So that's kind of an, it's been an interesting one where when I started, it was kind of right after the 2008, 2009 financial crisis and everyone was looking for a job it seemed like so if you offer you were offering a job especially one where you could work from home from your own computer um it seemed like writers were available and you just kind of had the pick but now it's kind of the opposite where that's been a struggle for i would say the last it's probably year or so I hear that. And I hear that a lot from clients, you know, like, so my, my superpower is marketing. We do a lot of marketing and with our, our larger companies, we typically have a two tiered marketing strategy where one tier is geared toward the customers and clients. And the other tier is geared toward the staff and providers, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause, cause we need to market to them to attract them and to retain them. So some of it is attraction strategy. Some of it is retention strategies. And, and it's a real thing when you have a strong economy like that, you, the same way you're in competition for customers, you're in competition for staff. Yes. Yep. So what, what have you done about it already? So we, we've tried to make the onboarding process better. So one of the struggles we've had is, so we'll bring on new writers. We, we kind of are always looking for good writers. We have them go through kind of that initiation phase I talked about. Now they're on the list of 60 writers that receive each opportunity. A new client comes in, we send out the opportunity. Obviously, you can only, if say there's 60 writers, five raise their hands and say that they're interested. You can only pick one and the other four are disappointed. Um, So we've tried to not skew it towards new writers, but we want the new writers to have a good experience. So if we think a new writer is, is really a good fit, we'll try to find them an opportunity to write for a client as soon as possible because if they miss out on say one 
the first opportunity and then another one, they're, they're probably going to look for, for someone else to work for another agency. So that's been a change we've made in the last six months that seems to have been positive. It's not perfect, but that's been a one positive change that we've made. So then are you sending it to that writer individually, or are you just trying to pick them over the five that raise their hands that they, they have a higher kind of priority or probability of being the one chosen? Yeah, I would say we, so we might get a new, so we get the client, we have the five that apply. If there's a new writer in that group that's interested, we might reach out to that writer and say, how interested are like are you really interested or are you just looking for any type of client and so we might dig a little deeper than we did in in previous years okay cool interesting yeah now you know as they say what gets you from a to b won't get you from b to c and it's sometimes yep. because your business changes and again that you've totally seen um but sometimes because the world changes Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of people in my online program. A lot of them are within the first, you know, zero to five years of their business. It's a, we build a marketing strategy. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, but I got a bunch of people who are in the 20 plus bracket, mm -hmm. you know, because everything they've been doing, you know, they've noticed in the last, let's say five to seven years that all the stuff they used to do, like it's, it's not working anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed. The game has I, changed. I would say, yeah. And that's happened in the blogging world the last three years or three to five years ago, I, I don't want to say it was easier to get traffic 10 years ago. It seemed like it. It's, it's, it seems like more work now, but also potentially more payoff because a lot of, a lot of companies or bloggers get discouraged right away. But if you can stick it out, there's opportunity, but yeah, it, I've definitely seen that compared from year zero to year five, six to ten is that's kind of what i've seen is it's yeah i have to change things from what we used to do totally so can i throw out an idea yes so i'll tell you what what i would say and again it's also the age population you know kind of looking at the age of your staff so whereas you were probably attracting older millennials or possibly older than that now you'll be attracting the younger millennials who yes you know if i'm going to be super rude and and stereotypical are a little softer mm -hmm. <laughs> To, um, to disappointment sometimes. I'm not yep. saying everybody, right? Because when we stereotype, the whole point is that we're making a generalization. That's mm -hmm. ESA, mm -hmm. racial profiling, marketers do it better. So um, the, um, the idea would be if, if this isn't working for them, right? Because it's insulting, because it's disappointing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple of things. One is setting the expectation kind of clear to begin with. You know, we're yes. like, hey, you're joining the team. Expect your first job within three months yes. or within yep. two months, whatever is the, the extended time frame, right? Because that whole concept of surprise and delight, you know, and, and this part of what we teach in, in our retention strategies and our, you know, word of mouth strategies is exceeding expectations. Part of that is you're in charge of the one setting the expectations. So being yes. really clear when they come in, setting the expectations farther so that it's much like kind of setting the bar lower so it's way easier to jump over. Yep. I like you know, that. So guys, you can only expect a job in three months. I'm like, whoa, I got one the first month. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. As opposed to them expecting one in three days and it's three weeks before they get it. Um, you know, so kind of giving that, that long range of what they would expect and then they get it way sooner. You, you have, I want to go back. I want to go and check what our email says or our website. I don't know. I don't think it says that we might have to change the expectation. Yeah. So shifting the expectation. And then I would kind of shift I, I would possibly shift how you give out the jobs. 
Meaning because if that kind of hand raise was working originally, either because there was more of a flow or because the people were less sensitive, great. And if it's not working now, because people are being insulted and they're, you know, just, it's, it's a constant flow of disappointment mm-hmm. really, and they're mm-hmm. not actors. So they're not prime yep. yes. um, You know, I might sooner do a little more research on my people to begin with. What are the things you like? What are the topics mm-hmm. you want? And you could say, it'll take us a little longer to get you that, but we'll get you the work you want the most. And then doing custom matches within the system. You get a new client, email goes out to first friend, you tell everybody, I, I would kind of change the operations of it. You know, we need an answer back within 12 hours. You know, look okay. out for an email from us. It might take a certain amount of time, but when you get the dibs, we're going in priority order. If you're getting an email from us, it means you were a priority candidate. So we need yeah. to hear from you quickly. And then I would, might do it more individually. So that people either don't get appointed as often. So I send it out to only three people at a time instead of the mm-hmm. whole network or people or whatever, or, or I'm only sending it to one at a time, you know, depending how, I don't know your, your time frame from when you get the client to when you have to assign them a writer and that kind of stuff, but that way less people are getting disappointed way less often. I like that too. We, we used to do a version of that, but this, this was in the earlier days when maybe we had 10 writers on the list and I, and I would reach out to one that I thought was the perfect fit. Right. And then we changed it as we got more, might be time to look at, maybe Changing not going back, back to the bit. exact same way, but kind of- No, because this re- will be more, this. again, yep. that was based on like in your head, you thought that person was the perfect yes. fit. This will be algorithm and database based. Yes. So it's, it's very easily outsourceable. You're not in the equation. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a systems person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a marketing analyst. I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> to me, I blend that, right? So I'm taking kind of the marketing yep. angle of yep. how I'm like creating communicating value and the system angle of how do I create a system that works in that marketing frame. Um, and so in, in my vision, you know, you've got a manager, you've got a database of people, you know, mm-hmm. with their, mm-hmm. their preferences, their availability, um, you know, their lead up time, like kind of all of that. And then you've got a manager who, when a job comes in, looks for a match, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it's more of, instead of, you know, as you grew, you made it kind of a self-matching system here, yep. you'd be making it more of an active matching system so that, you know, again, the worst thing about Tinder is when everyone's saying no to you. Yes. <laughs> yep. You know, so same thing here. And again, these, this generation is living with that constantly, mm-hmm. you know, so for you to layer upon that, it's just going to be bad news. And then you will, again, the, the counterbalance is then the majority aren't seeing all the jobs coming in. Mm-hmm. So they're not actively involved. So you'll have to compensate for that in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is you're going to be doing, some other benefits that you're giving them, getting them. So maybe you're going to add on some, you know, ongoing training. And just, yep. again, as you grow as a company yep. um, to shift the, the value proposition for your people, whereas mm-hmm. it was super mm-hmm. simple before and now adding, again, what do they need? All right, target marketing. Yep. What, what yep. do, and this is when we do our marketing for staff plans, you know, and I have a whole talk on it. What, what do the internal people need? Like with one company, they're having a very hard time finding staff in the bigger cities. I said, why don't you bring people in from somewhere else and then, you know, get them room and board? And they're like, huh? <laughs> but that's a whole, it's a, I'm targeting a different staff person, but that's a completely different solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so same kind of thing here. What other value proposition can I give me? How do I hedge the disadvantages and how do I add different advantages? What do they want? Do they want some ongoing training? Do they want mm-hmm. some sales coaching? Cause they're also independent freelance writers. Do they want some ongoing continuing education in the, in the writing space so that I'm, you know, I always say to my people, and I say this to myself and I mean it wholeheartedly. I intend to train you so that you could leave at any time, get a better mm-hmm. job, treat you so well that you'll never want to. Yes. That's I like my goal. This. And, and I, I keep my people, I train them really well. 
They know? totally could leave. And, but they um, kind of like hanging out with me. <laughs> That's good. All right. I have two takeaways now. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I want I'm feedback. Busy. Okay. <laughs> I want to know how it works. All right, cool. And again, guys, for all of you listening, the game is changing. It's changing every day. And, you know, after a couple years, it, it catches up to you. And, uh, and I, I so appreciate that you shared that with us in such a real way, you know, because before you mm-hmm. shared it, I really believe listeners are going like, this guy has it so made, you know, if I could only, no. him. and it's always true. It's always true that there's a struggle mm-hmm. and it's always true that you can overcome it. Just realize oh, yeah. that no one, no one has made the shape at every no. level. There's just a different, again, struggle might be the wrong world, but just a different challenge, a, mm-hmm. a, new, a new thing to conquer, if you will, mm-hmm. a new thing to learn, to develop, to shift so that you don't end up at the bottom of that bell curve. Yep. Yep. It's uh-huh. true. I've noticed it too and, and have experienced it. And, but, but like you said, it's not that you can, can't overcome it. So. No. And, and again, it's using yeah. the same skills that you've had. It's usually just a new application of something that you've already done before. So like, you know, you used to do it this way and did it a different mm-hmm. way. So now there'd be kind of a blending, you know, and mm-hmm. I actually had a guy earlier today, one of my clients, um, you know, he's like, okay, I got to fix this, you know, so I'm, I'm canceling all the stuff I've been doing. I'm going to change everything I've been doing. And I, I'm ready to start again. I'm ready to invest everything. And I was like, stop it right now. Why, why would you do that? He's like, well, if it's not good, I'm going to, you know, you gotta, you gotta destroy the build. I'm like, no. who said, who, who said that? Never, <laughs> like, why do you think business building is a Phoenix? It's a ladder. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would I have to destroy to be reborn? No, no, no. Just keep climbing. Keep stepping. Uh-huh. You know, you can climb any ladder you want, just not necessarily 17 steps at a time. Um, Don't throw away what you already know. Exactly. It's yeah. like, why? Why would you destroy <laughs> it? It's working. That's crazy. Um, so totally, you know, every, every advance is just a new step to climb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is awesome stuff. And Dane, you shared so many valuable things with us, like so much information. I hope you realize like this was almost like I hope so. a crash course in blogging for business development. And to me, the most valuable takeaway hearing from a guy on the inside, what level of long-term strategy this really is. Mm-hmm. I think like, even for me, like I'll be totally honest. I looked at blogging as like a three to six month strategy. And mm-hmm. I said that to you, like within three months, don't you see something? And I, and I get it now. No, you, you kind of don't. <laughs> you, you Yeah, it's maybe not very often it you might get one post that for whatever reason no one else has written about the topic but a lot of people are interested in it but even right. or if you're leveraging social are, media and driving traffic yeah. that way like it would have to be a common you know in our marketing mixology guide kind of we layer strategies and create these these cocktails yep. um, of you know how to do things but people who look at it as an independent um and again most people thought it takes way faster than me i thought it's like a three to six month thing but understanding uh-huh. that it's a two to year three year thing to me that's intensely valuable Yep. You no, know, and then and then all those back end pieces of you know plus you need the keywords plus you need to be researching what are the questions people are asking. Do you use Google Trends at all, or because you're such a long term strategy, you don't really do the trend research? We kind of we do stay away from trends. We like to as much as we can write posts for ourselves and for clients that are useful today, but hopefully also useful in five, ten plus years from now. So that I mean, there's posts that we have written several years ago that clients are like, you know, that post, this one that you did several years ago is still doing really well. It's so, so that's kind of the approach, but we do kind of look at trends a little bit to see how things are changing and and you can identify new trends 
that might be popular or getting popular now that you think will still be popular years from now. I like that. I like that a lot. So where can people find you, find out more about you, your company? Company, they, can, they can just Google search yep. you and you'll pop yep. up. But. <laughs> you, can, you can search for ghost blog writers. Uh, the main social platform that I use is LinkedIn. And then I'm pretty active there. If you connect with me, would be happy to connect back and, and start any kind of conversation. So that's the number one place. Love it. Yeah, I'm a big LinkedIner also. It's, and it's only getting bigger um, uh, yes. right now. LinkedIn's on super growth phase, you know, where we stand today. So it's, it's a great deal. Okay, guys. So we'll put the link to Dane's LinkedIn profile and to his website and all that fun stuff in the show notes at sdran.com slash 68. Um, so Dane, I like to kind of surprise my guests at the end and ask sure. for a quote because I love quotes. I'm quote obsessed. So it doesn't have to be your favorite one of all time, though it can be. It could just be like a random thought that popped into your head, but I love kind of this condensed wisdom to send people on their way. I'll give you one of my favorites that I think about all the time, and it is, you are what you do every day. I didn't think of it. I, I read it somewhere, and I'm sure multiple people have said it, but um, whatever you want to do, start. You have to do it every single day, and it's easy to get it. I found that it's easy to get into bad habits where if I am – if I am working with client management every single day, I'm a client manager, not necessarily a business owner. So, or if I'm writing a blog post every day, I'm a blog writer, not a business owner. So I, tr I try to think about that every so often to look at my own schedule and, and what I want to be doing. So. I like that a lot. And again, it, it so resonates with what you said. Like you started it, you were writing every day. Man, you're like, I like it a lot. You are what you do every day. Super cool. All right, guys. So check out Dane. We'll put those links in sdran.com slash 68. And as you know, we're in subscription growth mode. So like, obviously you're subscribed because you're listening. Duh. Um, <laughs> and it's time to share the wealth. Like, I have no doubts because I know how much I benefited from this episode that you benefited in learning more about digital marketing, more about business development, scaling strategies, going from freelancer to proper business owner. Like there's so much cool stuff here. Dane is awesome. And you don't only want to benefit, you want to share that wealth because that's why we're here. So go and right now, stop. Listen, Dane and I, we just spent, you know, almost an hour spending our time on you. I want 15 seconds of your time. Go and find somebody, text somebody, message them, post it on your social channels, share this episode with someone who needs this information. Someone who's trying to learn about blogging, who's been dabbling in blogging, who's trying to grow their business, who's trying to scale their business, who's trying to get out of that trap of hours for dollars any of those people, that's a great person to tell about episode 68 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast, and we will catch you next week. Dane, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was very fun. This is great. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?